It's Daily Thunder, thundering out the truth of Jesus Christ live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more about our discipleship programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. Now, here's Nathan Johnson. Well, if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 3. We looked at this a couple of days ago, but I want to come back and uh, freshly look at it with you this morning. So Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, this week we're walking through a little mini-series uh, while Eric and Leslie are out of town having family vacation, uh, which I'm a little jealous because they've been going to like Lego Lane and all this kind of fun stuff in California. I'm like, oh, that just sounds fun. Uh, but while they're out having fun, we're, uh, we're going to have fun in here. And we've been walking through this idea, this concept, uh, which is all about knowing Jesus. And again, as we've been walking through the last couple of days, it's not just knowing about Jesus. The, the thrust of the scriptures is not just knowing about him, it's actually knowing him. And uh, we've been walking through just these, uh, kind, of, kind of building this idea. Uh, a couple days ago, we were looking at the three different Greek concepts for the word knowledge. And we were looking at how there's one word in the scriptures that has this idea of knowing, but it's knowing through facts and data and information. It's, uh, I know that, well, how do I know that? Well, I picked up a piece of newspaper, I read the headline, uh, it's a science textbook kind of a concept. Uh, it's just data. It's information kind of a thing. There's another word in the Greek uh, that has this idea of knowing something, uh, but it's knowing in the sense of perception. It's in the idea of sight. Uh, it's in, the, in uh, the idea of, oh, I see that. And again, we're not talking about a physical sight. We're talking about a perception. It's an understanding. It's a, uh, you look at someone and you just know what they're thinking or you know what they're feeling. Why? Well, because their face is all scrunched up and they're looking at you in a certain way. Or the tone of their voice or whatever it may be. And you perceive something that is far beyond just uh, what you're actually physically seeing. You're perceiving something beyond that. And of course, Jesus did that all the time in the scriptures. He looked at the Pharisees and it says that he saw them and he knew what they were thinking. And you're like, oh, how how did he do that? That's easy. Just look at any audience. You can tell what they're thinking for the most part. Right? Because, you know, they're either zoned out or they're either smiling or they're not smiling or they're about to throw something at you. You can perceive all that just by the tone and the look and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the, the other word, and again, it's my favorite concept, but it's knowing something not through da- data and facts and information. It's not just through perception and understanding. It's knowing something through experience or intimacy or relationship or you're participating in that idea. Uh, we used the illustration yesterday. It was 18 degrees out here in Colorado. And uh, someone told me, hey, it's 18 degrees. And I knew that. And how did I know that? Well, it was facts. It was data. It was information. Someone opened up the app, looked at their phone, and it said 18 degrees in Windsor, Colorado. And we go, oh, isn't that wonderful? It's 18 degrees, a whole 18 degrees. <laughs> at least we're in double digits, you know. And, and it's, how did we know that? Well, it's facts. It's data. It's information. That's very different than going outside and experiencing 18 degrees. And now you actually have to put on the coat, and you got to shiver, you know, and you can see your breath, and you're actually getting to experience, you're participating in the 18 degrees, right? It's that idea. Uh, we've been talking about, if, you're, if you look at all those ideas of knowledge, we've been looking at this idea of, it's not a diminishment of the academics or the knowledge idea of facts, data, information. It's not a diminishment of the perception and the understanding. But it's interesting that if that's all you have in the Christian life, it will be insufficient. Because the Christian life, the way the Christian life was designed, was relationship. 
The way the Christian life was designed was intimacy. The way the Christian life was designed was participation. And again, in John 17, 3, Jesus is praying the high priestly prayer, and he says, this is eternal life. If you ever want to know what eternal life is, Jesus explains eternal life. Again, he's not talking about longevity. He's saying, hey, this is eternal life. Not that you live forever. He says, this is eternal life. Well, what is eternal life? Jesus says eternal life is <clears throat> gnoscoing Jesus, gnoscoing him and the Father. You realize that when you get down to it, the very heart of the gospel is not duty, it's not obligation, it's not activities, it's not uh, sign this card and you know, go through this checklist and pray this prayer. When you get down to it, the heart of the gospel is, hey, would you come in, would you embrace, hey, would you experience the living God? Not just know about the living God, hey, would you just, oh, would you actually get to know the living God? And actually have him inside of your life. And again, around here, we always talk about this idea that there's a twofold reality of this in the scriptures. One is that my life is to be in Christ, which is a phenomenal concept in and of itself. And Paul says the other part of that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so you begin to recognize that the reality of the Christian life is that there is this flow of I'm in him and he's in me and we are wrapped up together in intimacy and relationship and oneness and, and I'm experiencing the living God, which goes far beyond just knowing him. Now, a couple days ago, we were looking at Ephesians chapter 3, and again, it's the second prayer that Paul is praying for those in Ephesus, and it's an incredible prayer. But as he gets into uh, verse 18, he says, oh, that I want you, my prayer for you is that you be able to comprehend with all the saints, the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Isn't it a great thought that what Paul is saying here is, oh, my deep desire for you is that you would know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. And again, when you look at those words, what he's saying is that you would experience, that you would gnosko the love of God that goes far beyond the academic understanding of it. See, we can, we can uh, take out our notebooks and we can describe the love of God and we can, and we can put a whole list of things about the love of God on a piece of paper. And we can say, yep, I know the love of God. But that is completely different than being enveloped by, being, being engrossed with, just being just drenched in the reality of God's love. And somehow, even if you don't have any facts about God's love, the moment that you just get wrapped up in God's love and his love is just overwhelming you because, hey, he is love and the dynamic of his life and character within you is beginning to produce this reality called love, you realize, Paul says that when you begin to experience that, that is far better, far superior than having some mere academic understanding of that exact same love. And I think I used the illustration the other day about, uh, could, could you imagine, we, we, we talk about the ocean, and uh, we, we give all these facts and data and information about the ocean, and, and hey, the ocean has this much water, and it's this deep, and it's this wide, and it's this big, and it's, hey, it has these kind of fish in it, and it, hey, you can do this in the water, and hey, you could have all that on a piece of paper, but that is very different than going to the ocean, dipping your toes in, and just feeling the, the, the waves crash against your body. And you begin to experience, and hey, when the, when the wave hits you and you swallow some of the salt water and you're like, <laughs> right, and you just, uh, you, you experience that ocean on a totally different way than if all you ever had was, you know, you're in the middle of Nevada and you're just reading facts and data information about the ocean. How about you, but I'd rather have the other one. <laughs> I'd rather be in the ocean, especially today, right? 
had the palm trees, just relax with a you know, glass of lemonade and sweet tea or something. And that's exactly what Paul is saying in the passage. That, again, it's not, it's not that the academics is bad. It's not that having information is evil. You, you understand that. Hey, it's, it's great to get into the academics. In fact, you should get into the academics, and you should study the scriptures, and, and you should know facts about who our God is. But when you get right down to it, the facts and the data and the information is going to be insufficient because you need to get wrapped up in the reality of the gnoscoing of Jesus Christ. That, hey, you should know him, which surpasses knowledge. Uh, I've often given several il- illustrations about this, but uh, when I went off to seminary, <clears throat> it was interesting, my, my aunt pulled me aside and said, Nathan, hey, as you're going off to seminary, I just want to encourage you, uh, don't lose Jesus when you're at seminary. And uh, I shouldn't have done this, but I remember laughing and just kind of going, are you kidding? <laughs> do, you, do you even know what seminary is? We're talking about seminary. Hey, we're, we're going to go and we're going to spend classes studying the Bible. Our homework is going to be scripture. We're going to sit at lunch tables and talk about Jesus. At night, we're going to sit around campfires and sing Kumbaya. I mean, this whole thing is going to be wrapped up in Jesus. So how, why would you tell me, don't lose Jesus while you're at seminary? That's just crazy. But it's interesting, I went to seminary, and this isn't true for everybody there, but there's a lot of people. I got to seminary. Here's all these people who could debate you up and down and had all, the, had all the answers and could use all the big terms like eschatology and soteriology and, you know, all the big fancy terms. And, and, and hey, they could debate you up and down and they knew all the Bible stories and, and, hey, they could parse the Greek and the Hebrew and had all the grammar stuff figured out. And, but you looked at their life and it's just like their life was, their life was dead. See, they knew a lot about Jesus, but it seems to me they didn't know Jesus. Now again, that's not true for everybody, and, and I had some great friends out there who were madly in love with Jesus. But there was a lot of professors that I had. You got in the classroom, and you know, they had these doctor so-and-so, and, and hey, they've written all these books, and you know, they were popular around the nation, and, and I'm like, well, I got to sit under them, and you know, I'm sitting in these classes, and it, it's interesting. Here they are. They, they're so academically just they had this academic, academical prowlness, and they, they had all these, oh, they just had all the information. And yet when you looked at their life, it's just like their life was dead. See, I would rather be dumber than a rock, which is not going to take me very much, but I'd rather be dumber than a rock and have the intimacy with Jesus Christ than know everything in the world and not actually know him. And we keep saying this, but hey, you can know all about him, and hey, you could have all the Greek and all the grammar, and hey, you could, hey, you could memorize the scriptures, die, and still go to hell. Because the reality of heaven and hell is not information, it's relationship. It's intimacy. And hey, when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, hey, Jesus is going to be looking at you, and what is he going to be looking for? Oh, relationship. And of course, there's that great passage in Matthew that I mentioned yesterday, but but here's Jesus, and he, he's, he's bringing this, you know, the, the, these people before him, and, and they say, hey, well, didn't we cast out demons, and didn't we do all these miracles, wonders, and signs in your name? And Jesus says, hey, depart from me, because I never gnosko you. See, when you get right down to it, heaven and hell is not based on information. Heaven and hell is based on relationship. And what a sad reality in our modern day when we've taken this salvation message, the gospel, and have just dumb down the gospel to a true and false test. And you realize that that's not what gets you in. Because, <laughs> hey, 
hey, if you go through the true and false test that we typically do, you know, like did Jesus come to earth? True. Hey, did he die upon a cross? True. Uh, did he rise again? True. Woo, you're a Christian. Congratulations. That doesn't get you in. Because, hey, you could do that exact same thing with Satan, and you have, you have a problem. Hey, did Jesus come to earth, Satan? And he would say, well, yes. Did he die upon a cross? Yes. Did he rise again? Ah, oh, yes. Woo, congratulations, you're a Christian. <laughs> no. Are you kidding me? See, it's not the information that saves you. Now, again, it's not that information is bad. You need the information. But the information should be driving you to greater intimacy. And somehow in your spiritual life, you've got to make the transition from the academics to intimacy, from information to transformation. And again, I'm not, I'm not downplaying the information and the facts and the data and the academics. I think those are all great. And hey, you should learn and you should study. And I think that's all phenomenal. But if that's all you ever have, I'm sorry, you're lacking. And you need something beyond that. Why? You need an encounter with the living God himself. You need to experience him. Uh, it's interesting when you look at this idea of gnosko, and we, again, we've been talking about the last couple of days, but one of the dynamics of this idea of gnosko is this thing gets bigger and it expands and just gets better and better and better and better and better as time goes by. See, isn't it interesting? Haven't you ever looked at a cute old couple? I love cute old couples. And it's interesting to me, when you look at cute old couples, it's like cute old couples have spent so much time together that it's like they have their own language. In fact, they don't even have to talk anymore. He, she looks at him, and he looks at her, and he sees her facial expression and knows exactly what she's thinking. Well, how does he know that? Well, he spent so much time with her, he just knows her. See, haven't you seen cute old couples, and they don't just start talking like each other, but they start to act like each other, and they start to look like each other, and they just... See, wouldn't it be interesting to have that with Jesus? Oh. See, wouldn't it just be amazing to get so wrapped up in him and know him? Again, it's not just information, but, but knowing him so well and so intimately. that, And this thing just deepens and expands day by day by day by day by day. That, wow, that I start to think like him and act like him and talk like him. And actually, ooh, I'm starting to look like him. Now, I get it. I'm not Jesus. I get that. I get that. But wouldn't it be amazing if you got so tight with him that when people looked at you, they saw him more than they saw you? I love what uh, Barfield, Warren Barfield said. He wrote this song years ago, and it was called Mistaken. I just want to read a line to you. I just love this concept. <clears throat> the song says, I shouldn't have to tell you who I am, because who I am should be speaking for itself. Because if I am who I want to be, then who you see won't even be me. Oh, the more and more I disappear, the more he becomes clear. And then here's the chorus. Till everyone I talk to hears his voice. And everyone I touch feels the warmth of his hand. Till everyone I meet sees Jesus in me. This is all I want to be. I want to be mistaken for Jesus. May he touch with my hands, see through my eyes, may he speak through my lips, and may he live through my life. See, that is the reality of the Christian life. See, my prayer has been for years. Could I get so tight with Jesus? Could I just get so wrapped up in Jesus? Could I just fall so in love with Jesus? And that when I go and I meet someone for the first time, I say, hey, my name's Nathan. 
And uh, a year goes by, and I come up and I see him again. They go, oh, what was your, what was your name again? Oh, oh, yeah, Jesus. And I, and I understand, I'm not Jesus. I, I, get, I totally get that. But see, Jesus lives inside of me. And wouldn't it be amazing if he and I were so tight that it's just like somehow the, the life of Christ was just oozing out of every pore of my body and, and his mind was infiltrating my mind. So it's not me trying to think God thoughts. Somehow he is just implanting his mind within mine. See, it's not me trying to have his heart. See, he's taken his heart and through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit has pressed my heart just and, and formed my heart in such a way where I have his emotions. See, wouldn't it be just interesting if if what comes out of my mouth isn't just my own wisdom and intellect, see, wouldn't it be amazing if what comes out of my mouth was somehow, somehow his words because I've gotten so tight with him. And like a cute old couple with Jesus, wouldn't it be interesting if somehow I could get so tight with him in intimacy and relationship and I just spent so much time around him that I just start to talk like him and act like him and think like him and start, in fact, I start to look like him and, and somehow... I begin to decrease, as, as John the Baptist said, and, and he begins to increase in my life. And somehow, I kind of fade into the, the background, even in my own life. And, and what people see around me is not me. They see him living in and through me. And I'm convinced if someone began to live like that, we'd have to call them a Christian. See, there's been this interesting dynamic that happened in the New Testament. See, in the Old Testament, God was out there somewhere. See, God, God was out there, and he's looking down upon us, and he's given us law, and he's given us rule, and he's given us, and hey, he's, he's dictating how we're to live, and, and we're doing the best we can, and hey, you know, we're trying to appease him, and, but he's, he's been distant. He's out there. And isn't it an, an awesome thought in the new covenant at Pentecost, the outside God has come to be on the inside, that he's not just out there somewhere, he's come to indwell us through his spirit. Oh which changes everything because it's no longer me trying to live my life for him. This is, hey, could I release myself to him in surrender and dependency and begin to allow the living God to use my life as a stage through which he acts? Or the illustration we've often given is the uh, glove. And, hey, could, could I allow my life to be a glove where he takes his hand and just shoves his hand up into my glove? And I'm fully participating. So this is not a we're not talking passivity. We're not saying you do nothing. We're not saying, hey, sit on the couch, eat bonbons, watch television until God forces you to do something. We're saying, hey, you are fully participating in this reality because this is all of you and all of him coming together, making the Christian life. Now, it's true. You're getting out of the way, and you're decreasing, and he's increasing. That's all true. I get that. But see, you, hey, you and him are to be tight. And again, this isn't 50% you and 50% him. This is 100% him and 100% you. But somehow in that merger, in sometime, somehow in that bringing together thing, his life begins to demonstrate itself through your own. Somehow, his life through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit begins to flow out of you, in and out of you, into this world. See, that's what we're talking about. See, and it's not enough just to know information about him. See, we are to know him I have a nine-year-old niece. She just turned nine. And it was fun. A couple weeks ago, I was at home and uh, visiting my family and got to play with, got to pay, play with Paisley. Now, it's interesting. Uh, on my phone, I have a picture of Paisley. Oh, I love Paisley. And I can look at the picture, and I can give you all these facts and data and information about Paisley. You know, she's about this high. She has these great curly 
blackish brown hair, and, and uh, she's, she's, all, she's full girl. I mean, she's just giggly and does crazy stuff I can't even understand. And, uh, and she, her best friend, you know, they, they're now inseparable, you know, and they, they stay at each other's house all the time. And, and hey, I, I have all these facts about you, and hey, I can, I, I, can, I can give all this information about her. But it's very different than actually hanging out and spending time with her. And she sits on my foot and on my leg and says, all right, move me around. <laughs> or we play hide and seek or we run around the, the living room. Or See, that's very different experiencing and having relationship with rather than picking up the phone and looking at a picture. And again, God has given us incredible wisdom through his word. He's given us incredible insight. Hey, when you look at creation and all creation is screaming, but you realize somehow you've got to take all the information and all of creation and allow the information, the data, the facts to press you into greater intimacy and reality of life with Jesus Christ. Because Jesus says, this is life. This is life. That they might know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ whom you sent. Uh, one of my favorite people from Christian history is Ian Thomas. And Ian Thomas was just wrapped up in Jesus. Oh, I love Ian Thomas for that. Every answer to every problem was Jesus, which I just love. And uh, one of my favorite quotes that Ian Thomas makes uh, is this. Let me just read it to you. Ian Thomas says, The Christian life can only be explained in terms of Jesus Christ. And if your life as a Christian can still be explained in terms of you, whether it be your personality, your willpower, your gift, your talent, your money, your courage, your scholarship, your dedication, your sacrifice, or your anything, then although you may have the Christian life, you are not yet living it. And I love what he goes on to say. He says, the only explanation for your life as a Christian is supposed to be Jesus. In other words, when someone looks at your life, they should be dumbstruck of how you are living. And the only explanation for how you are living is, are you a Christian? Because I cannot figure out how you're living your life. And the only explanation I have is it has to be Jesus. It must be the living God living inside of your life through the Holy Spirit. See, it should be evident to the world around us that we are Christians. See, we shouldn't have to wear the Christian t-shirts. We shouldn't have to carry the big family Bible underneath our arm. There's nothing wrong with all that stuff. But you realize that someone should look at you and just be dumbstruck by the reality that you are a Christian. Why? Because they do not understand how you are living your life. Because the reality is that you're not living your life. I mean, you are. <laughs> but the living God who has come on the inside is beginning to do something in and through you that you cannot do on your own. And somehow, now you have power over sin where you've never had power before. Now you are filled with joy in the midst of crazy circumstances. See, now that there's this peace when everything is tanking around you. See, there's this calm and there's this delight and there's this... See, how, how do you begin to describe the Christian life? It's impossible. Unless the one who makes everything possible, comes into your life and begins to produce that in and through your life. I mean, I love the stories of Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, phenomenal man. He had a ton of that. He had a great, you know, had a great understanding of, of who God is. But here's this man who had this great understanding who didn't just have the facts and the data and the information or even the perception. He had such intimacy with the living God that there's these incredible stories that just come out of his life like, He'd be, he, he'd be invited to speak somewhere and be walking down the road. And as he's walking down the road, he's not saying a single word, but just walking down the road, people look, on, look at him and they begin to fall on their knees in confession of sin. And you say, well, what did he say to him? Nothing. 
Well, then what was going on? I, I have no idea. Outside of saying there must have been something going on in Spurgeon's life that was so intimate and so intense and so wrapped up in the person of Jesus that when someone looked at Spurgeon's life, they didn't just see Spurgeon. They saw Jesus flowing in and through the life of Spurgeon. And wouldn't it be amazing if you and I in our generation got so tight with Jesus that somehow when the world looked at our life, they didn't just see us, they saw him, and that just began to put pressure upon the world, and God began to use our life to turn the world upside down, not because the solution is in and of ourselves, but, but we have the solution, which is Jesus Christ, who is living in and through us. So we've got to get a hold of this. See, it's not that academics are bad, it's not that academics are evil, and hey, you should study, you should learn, hey, you should grow, and, and all, that's all true. But the reason we learn and the reason we study and the reason we get the facts and the data and the information is so that we'd be pressed under the reality of Jesus Christ to know him more. And at the end of your life, it shouldn't just be do you know a lot about him. The real question is, do you know him? Hey, do you have relationship? Do you have the intimacy? Do you have the oneness? Hey, have you experienced the living God? Are you participating with him in living out your life? Because again, Christianity is not living your life for him. Christianity is allowing him to live his life in and through you. You've got to grab a hold of that. And that will change your life. It will change your life. Well, pray with me. Jesus, Lord, I do want more information about you. Lord, I do, I do want a greater insight and knowledge of who you are. Hey, I do want to get into the Word and somehow have the Word expand in my mind and in my life and somehow I, I can understand it more clearly. But Lord, ultimately, I, I don't want just facts and information. Lord, I want You. So Lord, could You somehow come beyond my information? Could You go beyond my academics? Could You somehow use that which I'm learning and studying and all the sermons I'm listening to and all the books that I'm reading and, and all the interactions and fellowships that I'm having, Lord, could you use all of that to somehow press me into a greater relationship and oneness and intimacy and experience with you? And Lord, at the end of my life, I don't want, to be, I don't want it to be said of Nathan that he knew a lot about Jesus. I want it said that he knew Jesus, that somehow he and Jesus were best friends that you and I were so wrapped up together. We're like this cute old couple that the more time we spend together, the more I start to think like you and act like you and talk like you and look like you even. So Lord, I just give you permission for whatever is necessary to bring that about in my life. Oh, would you, would you get me out of the way? Could you somehow just give me a delight and a passion and a yearning to know you more and Lord, I pray that every single day that somehow you would use the circumstances of my day to bring, about, to bring about a greater revelation, a greater insight, but more importantly, a greater intimacy with you, that everything in my life is pushing me towards you, that this, this, every, all the pressures and all the chaos and all the good things and all the bad things is crowding me towards you. It's just pressing me unto you. Lord, I love the reality of the New Testament that the outside God has come to be inside and I don't have to live my life for you. I just need to merely be the vessel for which you to come in and live your life in and through me. Or as Paul says that we are these earthen vessels with these clay pots that have these cracks in them that the glory of God, the life of God might be seen 
and in through us. Lord, this world desperately needs you. We're living in dark days. And what we need is Christians. People who are so filled with the life of you that you just ooze out of every pore of their body and this, somehow this world is gripped by your life. So Lord, would you use us, would you use this band of believers to declare the wonders of who you are in this world. And Lord, we recognize it's not our talent or it's not our wisdom, it's, it's not our abilities, it's not our strengths that are going to pull this off. It is going to be you. So Lord, do it in and through us. And we get it, we're going to fully participate in this. Hey, we understand that. But Lord, we need you. So like a glove who desperately needs the strength of the hand, like a stage that needs someone to stand and act upon it, Lord, we give our lives afresh to you today and ask that you would move mightily in and through us. Lord, we just give you the praise and the glory. You are so good. We love you. In your precious, powerful name we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily weekdays at 8.15 a.m. and weekends at 9.15 a.m. Join us at live.ellersley.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.